Good morning and happy Easter. Welcome to our service here at Herm Bay Beacon Church. It's great to get together at Easter, although we're not really together. We're all virtually in our different places celebrating the death and the resurrection of Jesus. One thing I'd like to do today as I speak to you, so do come with me, is to draw water from a deep well. What I mean by that is to look at some of the eternal truths of our salvation and draw from them encouragement and strength in this time of difficulty. Do you know it is unprecedented, isn't it? This time of lockdown, this time of coronavirus. So I'm going to start by reading some verses from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 6. Please read with me. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone to the entrance of the tomb had been rolled back. It was very large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. I love those last words. Do not be alarmed. In this time of lockdown, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning. We come to these words uh, of the, from the Bible in the book of Mark. And we pray that you will speak to us, Lord, whether we are followers of you or when we are those just looking in and wondering what Christianity is is all about. Lord, I pray that you will speak to us and you will bless us this morning. Amen. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He has ridden. So my question is, why did Jesus go through the agony of crucifixion and then rising again from the dead? And the simple answer is three words, for our salvation. But I want to look at that in a bit more detail. And to do that, I'm going to use two stories. The first story is coming up now. And this is a story of one of the darkest times in our world. It's one bright light in a very dark time. Dare I say it, darker than the days are at the moment. It's the story of Maximilian Kolbe. He was a Polish conventional Franciscan friar. And in 1941, yes, during the Second World War, he was arrested by the Gestapo for hiding Jewish people and eventually sent to Auschwitz concentration camp. Now, in July 1941, three prisoners appeared to have escaped from Auschwitz concentration camp. And the deputy commander ordered that 10 men would be chosen and starved to death in an underground bunker. One of the men selected was Franciszek Grauncheck. Now, I haven't said that right, so if you don't mind, I'm going to call him Frank. 
When heard that he was selected, he cried out, my wife and my children. At this point, Colby volunteered to take his place. He volunteered to take the place of Frank in the bunker to starve to death. The Nazi commander replied, what does this Polish pig want? Father Colby pointed with his hand to the condemned Frank and repeated, I am a Catholic priest from Poland. I would like to take his place because he has a wife and children. Rather surprised, the commander accepted Colby in the place of Frank. Now, Frank later said this. He said, I could only thank him with my eyes. I was stunned and could hardly grasp what was going on. The immensity of it. I, the condemned, am to live and someone else willingly and voluntarily offers his life for me. A stranger. Is this some dream? I was put back into my place without having had time even to say anything to Maximilian Kolbe. I was saved, Frank said. I owe to him the fact that I can tell anybody this story. This news spread quickly around the camp. What a story. Maximilian Kolbe went into that bunker with 10 people and died of starvation. He took the punishment that was given to Frank. If you like, he substituted himself for Frank. And that's what I want to look at today. The, the element, the story that we can take from this about Christian salvation. What does it mean? And how is this idea of substitution brought into that using this powerful, powerful story? So I'm now going to look at Christian salvation. I'm going to look at it in three ways. I'm going to look at it from the point that we have to acknowledge our sin. Number two that we've got to accept Jesus as our substitute and follow him. And number three, that we need to come to a God of justice and mercy. Okay, let's start off with number one. We need to acknowledge our sin. You and me, whether we're people that know Jesus or whether we don't, we know that we need to acknowledge that we are sinful. Well, what does sin mean? Because sin is a a word that we don't use often in in our vocabulary in 2020. Well, last week at Beacon Church, sin was described in the three circles. It was described as sin is turning away from God's design and pursuing our own way that leads to brokenness. So sin, if you like, is going our own way. It's going away from God's designed plan for us. Now, we might see that evidence in things that we do wrong. Our sins The things that we do that injure, that hurt other people. Now, you may say, hmm, I haven't really done that. I I don't think I murdered anybody. I don't think it's too bad. But interesting, all of us, Romans 3.23 says, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And actually, if we talk to those who are close to us who know as well, they'll say, do you know what? You're not maybe a bad person, but there are things that you've done that are not right. They've hurt others. They've broken relationships. And I think to start off looking at Christian salvation, we need to just accept that we are sinners. And now the Bible says with that, that the punishment for sin is death. So somehow somebody need to die. And we were, if you like, on that path towards death because of 
our sin. Now, that's when the Christian gospel comes in. This is when the amazing good news of Jesus comes in. Because the next part, number two, is to accept Jesus as our substitute and to follow him. 1 Peter 3.18 says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit. Saying there that Jesus died in our place. This is the notion of substitution. John Stott, the Christian commentator, describes it like this. He said the notion of substitution is that one person takes the place of another, especially in order to bear his pain and to save him from it. So substitutions, we take on the pain, the penalty of somebody else. Maximilian Kolbe is a great example here because what he does is he takes on the penalty of Frank, doesn't he? He substitutes himself. Now, this idea of substitution, I'm just going to press into a little bit. So Jesus died to take the penalty for our sin. We understand that. But this is not, didn't make the sin better. He didn't somehow change the sin, change the things that went wrong, change that to make it look better. He didn't change the nature of the sin. So, yes, well, that might be wrong, but I'm going to I'm going to change that. And it's not because God changed his mind about judgment. Jesus on the cross on Good Friday, when he died that agonising death, he substituted, substituted himself for us. He took the penalty of our sin, of my sin, of your sin. For those who don't know Jesus for a minute, for maybe those who haven't gone to church, maybe hearing this for the first time, that is the Christian gospel to acknowledge what we've done wrong, acknowledge our sin, if you like, and to accept Jesus as our substitute and say, Do you know what, I'm going to follow you. OK, there's a third point, though, and that is to come to a God of justice and mercy. Because it's interesting, isn't it? There's a there's a question here between a God of justice and a God of mercy and how that balances. A God of justice says this. If you're a sinner, then you need to die for your sin, i.e. be separated from God because you have gone your own way. A God of mercy says this. My child, come running into my arms. How I want to just forgive you and I want to love you and I want to be with you. Now, when you put those two together, the only way through is the substitution of Jesus. And that's the Christian God. He is just. He is true. He is holy, but he's also merciful and loving. And there's no contradiction in God. There's no challenge or paradox there. They sit happily and contentedly in the character of God, a perfect balance. But my encouragement to you is to come to him at this time of difficulty in our nation come to him to just let me summarize a little bit Jesus died in our place he took the penalty for our sin on the cross and to prove his victory he was raised again and our response to that is to come to him let me just give uh, a couple of uh, quotes here from C.S. Lewis the great Christian writer and philosopher he said this 
we're told that Christ was killed for us, that his death has washed our sins and that by dying he disabled death itself. That is the formula. That is Christianity. That is what has to be believed. I love the way C.S. Lewis says things. And a second quote here. In a civilization like ours, I feel that everyone has to come to terms with the claims of Jesus Christ upon his life or else be guilty of an inattention or of evading the question. The question is this. What is your response to the death of Jesus? What is your response to the offer of substitution? Let me talk about salvation now in a different way, because I said there'd be two stories today. And that's the story of my great friend and mentor, Johnny Dyer. Johnny says this. When he was younger, about 10 years old, he was evacuated during the Second World War to Maidenhead. And during the war, uh, he had the uh, freedom to be able to swim in the River Thames. So when it was a lovely day, as it is today, in the sun, he could swim in the River Thames. And the trouble is, he couldn't swim well. He could only do the doggy paddle. He wasn't a strong swimmer. So while everybody else was enjoying swimming in the whole of the River Thames, he would just be swimming very carefully along the side of the river so he didn't get himself into trouble. Now, one day, a girl, maybe about 13, came along with a rowing boat. And she said, come on, Johnny, come and hold on to my boat and I will row you into the middle. I'll row you out so that you don't need to be able to just be stuck there or just to move a, a little way with your doggy paddle. So he said yes. He held on to it and he enjoyed uh, going out into the river. And then she said, oh, just get off now. And he said, I can't, not in the middle of the river. I'll drown. And she said, don't just get off. And she began to bang his hands with her oar and he let go and down he went and pulled himself up again and down he went and pulled himself up again until he couldn't do that anymore and he realized he was going to die and so he let himself go for the last time down into the water and then suddenly strong arms grabbed him lifted him out of the water and took him to the side and made sure that he was OK. There were two men, you see, who had watched what had gone on. And as soon as they'd see him struggling, they swam in. They jumped into the water and they grabbed him and saved him. Do you know, when talking to Johnny about this, he says my overwhelming thing, feeling afterwards was just gratitude. That I was dead, but I had been saved by these people. I was drowning, but I was saved. And I think that's a beautiful picture for Easter. The Easter story is about Jesus providing that opportunity for us to be saved, about him saving us. And that is the crucial question of life, isn't it? Why did Jesus die? Why was he raised again? To save us. And some of us here just may need to just think about that a little bit. OK, we're not together, but virtually to think about that message of Jesus today. What a picture of hopelessness it is of Johnny dying, of Johnny in the water, 
feeling like he is going to drown. And then the hands coming up and saving him. Can you picture that salvation? Because the message of Easter is that Jesus, by the cross, has given us the opportunity for salvation. We need a message of salvation at a time like this, of national, of international crisis. Do you know, ignoring the comments of Jesus just won't do. This is the one question of the age. Why did Jesus die? Why was he raised on the third day? This is the question of Easter. Thank you very much.